0: Well, well, today is a big day on the Pop Apologist podcast because we are joined by the absolutely beloved, beloved Wesley Christensen of the Wake Up With Wesley podcast. Wesley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you guys, no problem. Just keep feeding my ego. This is going to be a
1: great conversation. Stoke that fire right?
0: <laughs> well, here's the it. thing. Here's the thing. You are a person who launched a podcast and it became extremely successful and, you know, people love it. And I have felt like we need to have you on the show because you come from a very similar background to a lot of our listeners, which is Mm -hmm. Utah-based, a lot of people with an LDS background, um, people who've gone through spiritual transformation and shifts and people who haven't. And I think that even beyond that, though, you've obviously all of us kind of suffer with the, uh, I guess, modern... You know, problems that arise living in 2022. And you have experienced a profound spiritual transformation. And I've experienced a tiny, tiny, tiny transformation. And so people have kind of asked me to get into it, but I'm really not the source. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not able to guide people, but you are. And so I just felt like it would be such a service to our listeners to hear about your experience and your journey so that they can, if they wish to, which many do, you know, embark on the same trajectory or course.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, and I also understand where you're at. It's like you're finding your sea legs. Mm -hmm. And can I just tell you that this is an ongoing thing? You're going to have to continue to find your new sea legs as you really do this thing. Like, it's kind of a beast. It kind of doesn't stop. That's the tricky part about this stuff is like, you start this, you're committed, man. You cannot stop halfway through. You got to see it through.
0: Okay, so... So let yes, absolutely, and I think that it's funny sometimes, Chandler. Sometimes I'll have like my little you know ex- psychedelic experiences, and I'll be very, very awakened for a few days, and Chandler will have to deal with my awakened self. Uh, however, the I way. yes, it's, the super annoying one. She'll want to yeah. complain about someone who's like being toxic or or rude or just annoying. She want to gossip with me. I'll be like, Might I add? Just a
2: normal complaint. Just a normal like, <laughs> like literally, I could say somebody like you know, cat called me and it was annoying. And learned like you know, they're just on their own journey, yes. and you just need to respect <laughs> that journey that they're on. So that's what I like, call the afterglow. Screw you, you're
1: on that afterglow, man. It's like a, it's a big wave. You got to ride it out because the day that the afterglow fades, you're like, oh man, I want it back. Like it's annoying for everyone around you, but you're like, oh, but I really like that version of me.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's so deeply annoying, but you don't care because you. Yo nothing can touch you. You are just like floating and in such Mm -hmm. a profoundly beautiful way. And no, it's absolutely true. Um, but okay. But a lot of people don't know what the hell we're talking about. So let's bring it back. And I would just love to hear about your journey. So kind of where you were practically, um, you know, where you were in your life before all of this started and then kind of what led you to want to dig deeper and make a profound spiritual shift. So,
1: so I, like you said earlier, I was raised similarly to you guys in a very, in a high demand religion, in a strange culture, but, but beyond that, the underbelly of that story is that I lived the majority of my life in a deeply disassociative state in a, in a mm. trauma response from the age of three tell 26 just in and out in and out in and out and okay. i i didn't think that that's what i was doing i was very unconscious about it all but i say that my favorite fawning response was or trauma response was fawning it's like when you act you you act like mm. you're okay you you make friends with your abuser you you make friends with the bully because you feel safer in those environments like if i'm well liked I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the way I lived for the majority of my life. And like, maybe we should just put a trigger warning right here. So from the age of three, I, my very first friend, it was, I was experiencing what I now know is child on child sexual abuse. Like we would play family and it was, it was all weird stuff, but it felt so good to me because it was like love and intimacy. And it was with girls. Like I thought that like, you know, like we're, my mom told me, don't let people do anything weird to you. But we were playing a fun game. It didn't feel like a scary, abusive situation. It felt like playing family. And mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my mom. My mom mm-hmm. actually went to work around that. She went back to work around that age. And I had a caretaker who was what I now know, like super. She was neglectful. She was emotionally abusive um, manipulative. And I picked up these skills from three, which is really, really, really early. Like all the therapy I've been to, they're like, this is an eight-year-old thing, a nine-year-old thing, a three-year-old thing is that's young. So it was a lot. And I, I, I just had this little toolbox of pretend you're okay. Don't make it hard on anyone else. Like I'm a good girl, I'm cute and I'm easy. And that is how I'm going to live in this world. Couple mm-hmm. that with a high-demand religion. yeah. You're, it's a weird existence, man. It's a weird existence. So that was the start of my story. And then I move every other year of my life, which just kind of further. It exacerbates that, that pattern for me in my life. Like I could be a chameleon just shifting who I was in every new state or every new school I went to. Long story as a kid. short. As a kid, yeah. I went to 12 okay. different schools. Four different high schools. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a
0: lot. I had no idea about any of of this. Yeah.
1: I kind of liked it, to be honest, because I didn't have to figure out who I really was. I could just pretend to be whoever got me through that day for forever Mm. and always. I found safety and comfort in that, genuinely, until Mm -hmm. I met Bronson. So Bronson is my husband. We've been married 15 years. Um, I met him when I was 17. It's funny because I just realized talking to you right now, we've been together 17 years and I met him at 17. Like he's been a part of my life as long as he was not a part of my life. So I met him and I think the disassociation and the trauma, it all caught up. Something about him, being with him, I felt seen by him. And I think feeling seen by someone who genuinely loves you for who you are, allowing people Mm -hmm. to see who you are, it kind of allowed the trauma, the disassociation to just explode out of me. And I okay. did what people do when they're in pain, which is numb. i went I turned to drugs and alcohol, and I lived there for like a a, a year of my life. I consider myself like a full-on a full blown addict junkie, got dark real fast
0: can i ask can I ask you really quick, just interrupt just to clarify so his acceptance is what allowed you to mm-hmm. like the, the suffering to come to the surface because you finally mm-hmm. felt like I'm safe to mm-hmm. um to to feel. kind of have all this, yeah, to feel and I can to feel. be, to not necessarily be exactly what people want me to be and it's going to be okay. So I'm going yeah. to feel all this, all these shitty it horrible all feelings. Up. Oh, yeah. dude,
1: it came up in the gnarliest way. It was so much that I wasn't even aware of came to the surface that I, it genuinely was like, you can, your body cannot handle this go do some drugs. <laughs> I had wow, never done a wow. thing to you guys. I'm Mormon. I was Mormon. Yeah. I did not do a thing. I smoked weed on a Friday. Uh, the next Saturday railing lines of Coke, man. Like oh it went gosh. like that. It went How that old were you? fast. 18. So from okay. 18 to 19 full junkie. Um, wow. and then I got pregnant. So I got pregnant. Oh my at 19. Gosh. Stopped everything cold turkey. That wasn't an issue. It was a God thing. I don't even understand how that happened. So pregnant at yeah. 19, um, married at 20, did the whole Utah thing. Super cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's that thing, man. It's it. It's like I'm the typical Utah girl. And and life started. And I would say that I was super happy being married, being a mom. I really found myself in, in mothering. Like we had mm-hmm. three kids by the time I was 26. And I... I was happy with that. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to work. I didn't have a career option in mind. Like, I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And then it really, like, shit hit the fan at 26. Okay. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, go yes. here? Like, we're going to fully go? Yes. Okay. 26. I have my third baby. And, um... Two months after I had him, Bronson, we're poor. By the way, and out of all this trauma that I'm talking about, do you wanna know the worst trauma? Like, take sexual abuse, take drugs, take yeah. all of it. Do you wanna know the worst trauma I've ever experienced in my life?
0: Yeah. Poverty.
1: Poverty mm. is mm. the one that did me in unlike any other. Not knowing Mm -hmm. where you're going to live, not knowing how you're Mm going to feed your kids, selling off parts of your body to make ends meet. I mean, people are going to think I was doing sex acts. I was just selling my blood and my (laughs) plasma and my eggs and my hair, you know, like I, yeah, I was, we were just (sighs) desperate for any, Mm -hmm. anything. Um, so he was working like four jobs. He'd got prescribed Adderall and Mm -hmm. way over prescribed. Like he was taking like 90, 120 milligrams a day. And then it would give him such terrible anxiety. He, yeah, I don't know. This doctor should be in jail, but he, he did it. He's also the, like, he's to blame too. Um, Mm -hmm. he was taking Xanax on top of that and he just mixed up his, it was an honest mistake. I, I tell people all the time when you're that deep, you get sloppy. He got real Mm. sloppy, real fast. He Mm -hmm. accidentally overdosed one night in front of me. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that mm-hmm. was the day that I was, I could no longer be myself. Like the world that I had built up, the fake pretend happy girl, the, the, the family of my dreams, the marriage of my dreams, the person who I was convi- like pretending to be, she died that day. She was, she mm-hmm. was dead. And I would say that day is the start of my spiritual awakening because I let everything go. I let it yeah. burn to the ground. Um, how people perceived me. I didn't give a fuck. Uh, Can we say fuck? Yeah, please. Oh, yes. For sure. Okay, so I stopped giving a fuck. And I think before I really, really, really give, I cared about how it was perceived to the outside world. That day, I just stopped. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything changed for me. And then some weird, mystical, magical stuff that sounds like it's from storybooks, sounds like it's made up. It started happening to me from that day on. I mean, mm-hmm. they say that, that plant medicine calls you in and yeah. I can say that that is honest to God, the truth. Like you'll know if you're meant to do plant medicine because it will call you, like it will mm. call to you. And if it's yeah. not calling you, you're not supposed to do
0: it. Like that's right. real. That's real. Right. My, uh, yeah, my, my sister, it's funny. I, And this is kind of an aside, but after my first experience, I was like, why doesn't everyone do this? And everyone would just be happy and we would all be living in that Lisa Frank animation or that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) illustration. And we would just be pink dolphins together. And she was like, because that's just not, you know, it's not. Some people don't want the. If you can think of your your reality as like living in with Oculus glasses over your eyes, you're in a. You know, you're in this simulation. Some people don't want to be taken out of their simulation. That's not where they're on and like the journey of their soul. And so it's not meant for them right now. And you have to make peace with that because it's very easy to get into a place where you know you want to start convincing every family member, everyone in your life, to yep. utilize these tools. Um, but I'm digressing. So, so you experienced like the most profound breakdown in trauma and out of that, you kind of released everything because you were just Mm -hmm. like, fuck it. It doesn't get worse than this. So Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit anymore about playing by anyone's rules or games because it's like, I have nothing left to lose on some level. Oh,
1: nothing else to lose. I mean, we lived in my, I had to move back to my parents' house I separated mm-hmm. from Bronson. I had three little kids, mm-hmm. no money, no job, not a coat for my it's kids to wear in, it's and it was insane. like winter. Yeah. I didn't give a shit, man. I did not give a shit about anything. So mm-hmm. it came to me in the funniest way. Like I didn't know what plant medicine was. I never I never heard of it. Yeah. Um, someone a, a good friend of ours had heard that Bronson was struggling and they like called me one day and they were like Wesley, we heard about this plant. You go to Peru or you go to Africa. It's called the boga and it cures your addictions like this. And I was like, royally F you. Like you think Eat that right. I'm, what are you talking about? He's going to take a magic potion in Africa and be cured. You're going to fix a drug problem with a drug. Like I just right, thought right. it was the most asinine. It was a joke. I was, mm-hmm. I was offended. I think I hung up the phone. So mm-hmm. I, didn't, I did not give it a second thought. And this is when it sounds stupid and woo-woo and made up. And I'm telling you, it's the realest thing that's (laughs) ever happened to me. So that night, I think it was that night or the next night, I go to bed. I'm not like a dreamer. You know how people have dreams? Yeah, yes. (laughs) I like sleep like a log. Don't remember anything. I'm fine. Um, I have this dream that night. It's the freakiest dream I've ever had. It was me on a beach with a jungle behind me. And I hear over like, you know when you're in school and they call people over the loudspeaker like an intercom? That mm-hmm, voice, yeah. a, a secretary, an elementary secretary voice saying, ayahuasca, ayahuasca, ayahuasca. Really? Oh. Swear to God. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And I'm in the sand. I'm like riding AYA, AYA, AYA. It's so creepy. It's not cool. It's a creepy dream. I wake up and I'm like, what is that? Creepiest mm-hmm. dream ever. I'm like, I have a newborn. I'm nurse my baby. Go right back to bed. Don't think another thing of it. Yeah. Um and then I think I want to say a week later, again, I'm alone. There's a, there's a thing with the being alone in this work. You got to be isolated. So I'm alone. I find myself alone with my kid, nursing my baby. In my head, I hear the same loudspeaker say, ayahuasca. You guys, I don't know what this is. I don't, I've never, I don't Seriously. know a soul. Never, I've never met anyone who's done it. You guys, this is a decade ago. I, yeah. No like, one's talking about this. When you say
2: when you say it calls to you, it literally called to you. <laughs> to me, it literally
1: called. I didn't know what it wow. was. I Googled it because I thought I was like, what the hell is this? This is something weird. I could remember the dream. I didn't even know what it was. I started Googling it, spelling it like Iowa. I W O A A. Like ayahuasca. Because I didn't <laughs> I've never heard of it before. And then yeah, I saw your it was had like said A-Y-A. Boga, right? Iboga. I'd never yeah. heard of this thing. So lo okay. and behold, I'm like this little mom don't have a nickel, two nickels to rub together, find this on Google. And I am enthralled. I am obsessed. Nothing has ever grabbed my attention to this day. I don't think it will ever happen to me again. Like Mm. I understand true obsession. I became obsessed with this and Mm -hmm. I knew I had to do it and I did not want to do it. There I was a little Mormon girl, um, I don't even work out. Everyone that I'm finding online is like an MMA fighter. Like Joe Rogan <laughs> is doing this. I'm like, this is not for me. Like, why right, do I have right. to do this shit? I don't want to do this. It sounds terrifying and horrible. And mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do any of this. Yet I am calling places in the jungle and I'm like booking a trip to go do this. Um, that's how it happened for me. A genuine call. I had to do okay. it. Okay.
0: So I just want to interrupt really quick to clarify one thing, because I was under the impression that you, you, you kind of had like this profound mental journey first where you really unpacked all of the beliefs and, you know, kind of stories that we tell ourselves that lead Mm -hmm. us to a lot of suffering. And it was after that experience that then you, you know, went on the journey of plant medicine, but it sounds like you didn't do any of that first, but tell me if I'm wrong. It was, I would say it was in tandem. It was a real
1: confusing time.
0: It was, it
1: was directly, it was in tandem. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was all happening all at once where they say that people have like psychotic breaks. If I'm looking back on myself, I think I was right there, like genuinely right there, not knowing what was real, what was false, who I was, what I wanted, deconstructing everything and then trying to, layer in what I thought I believed all at the same time. And that is the beauty of plant medicine, because I was just a discombobulated mess of a human shell of a woman. And then I did ayahuasca and I, everything was made clear in a, in an instant. And all that struggle, the holding on, it feels like a tug of war when you have to let go of pieces of your identity. It's a fight it is mm-hmm. because you don't know who you are on the uh, on the outside of that experience. Right. Like, right. who are you? Do, you? do you love your family? Do you want to be a mother? Like, these are things that I don't mm-hmm. want to change about myself, and you're going to have to face in the moment. Like, whatever's true is true, and you walk right. into that belly, and you, and you have to figure it out. So it was terrifying. It was undoing and becoming
0: all at the same time while raising three little kids. I mean... It's interesting because Michael Pollan talks about how like, you know, the ego is what keeps us safe and what keeps us on some level like secure because it keeps us fighting for our survival and doing things really like to play the game of modern life. Um, And so it is something where I know I've experienced myself fear, a lot of fear around really unraveling and experiencing ego death because it's like, I sent you like this video on Instagram of this like lady, I was like playing a gong naked, like in the wilderness. And I was like, this is going to be my content after I do ayahuasca. And I'm fucking Isn't terrified.
1: <laughs> or, no, Jen. Hey, this is what we should talk about. That your yeah. fear right there is yeah. the thing. It's the reason people don't do this because right. it's a possibility. Like what you were yeah. tapping into is like Oh, this is a little piece of me that I could actually, there's some real truth to this,
0: and I'm yeah. afraid of that truth. Oh, 100%. It's, mm-hmm. it terrified. Terrified of potentially letting go of the things that you've clung to so hard that have kept you safe. And one of the things you talked about in your interview, and I forget his name, he founded that Shift app.
1: Um, yeah, Doug.
0: Doug. Yeah, Doug Cartwright. I think one of the things he said was and you said was it's not a thing where you do something like this and then you suddenly at least most people they don't just, you know, uh strip naked and venture into the wilderness forever. They you know, they they still live their modern lives. They still build their careers. They still, you know, it's not like everything becomes unimportant except spiritual growth um including their, you know, children and all of that. Um, it's something that helps you navigate modern life in a much more connected and peaceful way you know
1: what yeah it's so true so so many all the women that come to me and men and men that listen Mm -hmm. to my show they're like okay so i want to do this but like what if i want to divorce my spouse after Yeah. And that's everyone's fear. You guys, that's like, or what if I'm a lawyer? And what if after this, I don't want to be a lawyer. I have given 15 years to this. How am I going to feed my family? Right. And I always say the same thing. And I just, I say this work is the refiner's fire. Like if you Mm. come to that conclusion in a plant medicine journey, it's only because it's true and it's alive in you. And I promise as scary as it is to maybe let go of the things that you mm-hmm. are shown clearly are not for you, it's actually what's in your highest and best alignment. As woo woo and weird as that sounds, everyone mm. always comes out on top. And for me, for Bronson too, he was yeah. so scared when I went and did this. He's like, You're gonna me. He was. Me. Oh, yeah. Cause I was doing this shit alone, you guys. He was not, and it wasn't cool back then. Let's just say that. There were not, <laughs> and there wasn't mm. an Instagram account for me to like, you know, <laughs> right. I was alone. So he was like, What are you doing? And what if you don't like me? And what if you don't want this marriage? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm gonna do it. Like, yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Like, I hope I like you more. And so I did. <laughs> I went, I went to this, to the jungle, to Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I did the medicine and it turns out that everything that I love, I just love more. Mm. I respect it more. I honor it more. And then I could yeah. clearly see what I was doing in my life that is just not f- for me. Like the, mm-hmm. the drama of my life, the certain relationships, the, the identities, I could mm-hmm. let them go and just Walk mm-hmm. about my daily life lighter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm g- genuinely happier, more free. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as scary as we hear, and then at the same mm-hmm. time, it's terrifying. But like the right. after effects don't have to be a life shift unless it's actually what you want, and you're just lying to yourself about that. Yeah. Right. Right. I have a
2: qu- I have like a burning question for you. Okay. I've never done ayahuasca or anything. Um, I would love to hear like you compare that type of trip or I don't even know if that's what you would call it, like that experience, that mental high or just high in general, like compared to like the other drugs that you've done. Like maybe that's a stupid question. No, I
1: think it's smart. I think it's a great but, question.
2: Yeah. T- tell me about that.
1: Um, so I would say because I did have that year as a full blown addict to compare it to. So I would say that um,
2: everything that and I guess I'll just add really quick, I guess like you can I feel like in the times that I've been high, I've accessed the egoless parts of myself. So I think it's like when I want to maybe level up in my plant medicine journey or like my psychedelic journey, like what is that going to feel like?
1: Oh, God. Okay. so so I can say things like um, narcotics, opiates, um, cocaine, all those things for me, like like I would say that they take you out of reality. That they're mm. disassociative, that they're numbing, that they okay. they make you not look at your shit and actually take you away from reality. Numb. It's a big fat numb button. A, mm-hmm. You don't want to be present. Let's escape.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. I and the other thing about those too. This is how you know if you're doing medicine or drugs. When you're doing drugs, there is a price to pay. You mm. there's a withdrawal. There is a, mm. a physical yeah. dependency. An ache without the thing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that with plant medicine, so ayahuasca, um, like any of them really that you don't, you don't desire it. You have a honorable, like respect, a fear of going into it because you don't, you're not addicted to this shit. It is like, Ooh, the thought of drinking ayahuasca right now actually gives me like a gag reflex, like (laughs) a, Ooh, it's just, Oh, that feeling, um, that's the biggest difference. I don't, I'm not addicted to plant medicine. I have a healthy respect and an honorable Mm -hmm. approach to plant medicine. When I was doing drugs, there was a dependency and a numbing. So plant medicine, it's, it's enlightening. It's connecting. It's a truth serum. It is Mm. like nothing I've ever experienced before. And any other recreational drug is exactly the opposite of that. That
0: would be the biggest difference. It's also not this guaranteed good time right it's not like oh. always going to be this like fun it's not going to be a high like some yeah I'm sure there's euphoria and yeah. a lot of it but a lot of it can be really scary it's like I mean it's mentally committing to hours and hours of of you know plumbing through your psyche so it's a totally different totally different I have animal.
1: yet to experience the euphoria every oh, time really? I do a plant medicine ceremony I am in the depths of hell. But I find treasures in that hell. It is physically painful, emotionally painful. I'm processing. Mm -hmm. So like this last time I did ayahuasca, I've done it nine times. Um I did it at Soltara. So I was there and I could feel genuinely every pain, every emotional pain, every um I broke my ribs last year, all nine ribs on the right side of my body. I could feel them breaking. Oh my gosh. And you're in these experiences thinking like, what is this doing? Why is this serving me? What is this highest good? And all it is, is I look at a plant medicine ceremony as you give your body, because we live in a day and age where we're working 24 seven. We don't have time to slow down. We're numbing out with TV, social media. Even if we think we're giving ourselves space and time to heal and feel our feelings, we are not. We are not this is gospel to me I know it it's a sickness in our society so I look at plant medicine ceremonies as a time out from life to process mm-hmm. and feel emotions to stop my disassociation to stop um the lies that I seem to continuously tell myself even with all the journeys I've done I still am lying to myself about certain things yeah. it is a time out from life to process it and clean house, clean my soul, clean my body, clean my psyche. And then every single time I'm out of that hellfire because it is hell fire. It's never fun. I walk away with just this definitive knowing of my next steps forward in life and just an abundance of love for my children, honoring mm-hmm. my marriage, honoring my children and myself. I mean, here's the difference with me after doing plant medicine. I'm a little bit unfuckable with. Mm, like incredible I love that (laughs) like yeah I don't let people treat me poorly I don't treat myself poorly I don't dip into shitty ponds anymore like my vetting Mm -hmm. system for life is just clear Um, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of drama in my life and when there is when I see those cycles come up I am like an eagle I have eagle vision I pinpoint it and I have no shame in cutting out shit because right. my body's so clear, I'm so clear in this vessel that I don't want anything to dirty it up. Like mm-hmm. I don't care to be liked, I don't care to be nice. Um I'd rather honor myself than the people around me at this point. And I think that is honoring the people around you.
2: And uh, I mean, I'm I'm so inspired. I've gotten the chills like 8 times while you've been talking. So I and I just to your point about like honoring yourself more than honoring others, like that is what that is, I feel like, my lifelong deprogramming that I am mm-hmm. like, you know, after being raised Mormon or, you know, maybe I was just always going to be a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. But like that is that is my like that is a life's work. And so I just I love that. I'm very, very inspired. So thank you for sharing. I mean
1: It is possible to all of us if you're brave enough to go do this. <laughs> a lot of people aren't, you know, they just are. It's scary shit. And I and that has to be said, like, yeah, this is a potent medicine I mean, and here's the thing. We're talking about ayahuasca. There are so many other more gentle practices that people can choose to partake in. If you're not getting the call and you're like, well, shit, I want the call. I'm not getting the call. Like you're <laughs> you're mentally willing it because so many people do that. And let me tell you, they have a hell of a time in ayahuasca. Don't mentally will yourself into wanting this medicine. It's an mm. internal, it's a, it's a soul thing. It's a heart thing. You will know. If you're questioning, you don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's psilocybin, there's, um, yeah, there's ketamine, there's combo, yeah. there's so many other plant medicines. You don't have to do DMT. You don't have to do ayahuasca. Right, right. But man, is it cool when you do.
0: Wait, so let's, let's go back a little bit to before. So you go, you get to Costa Rica as your first place you went, mm-hmm. right, to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know it's probably like, so beyond the scope of this interview, but can you tell us maybe just like the beliefs you had going into that experience and then that were like the most transformed?
1: Oh, okay. That would that. Yeah. That's fun to talk about. So <laughs> I would, oh God. Okay. I would say that I was um, a woman. You know what? I would say I was a girl. I think doing plant medicine has made me a woman. So I walked into that place mm. a girl. Even mm-hmm. though I was a mother, even though I had a home, whatever, mortgage, I was very much a girl walking into ayahuasca. And I thought that my worth and my value was in how I served people, um, mm. my obedience, my my subservient nature. I mm-hmm. would call it service back then. Now, it's I know it's not service. It was a lack of self-worth, mm. of, of proving, 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 efforting, doing to, to acquire love or appreciation or acceptance by all the people in my life, by God, my, my ideas about what I even believed about God completely changed. Um, now I, now I know that it's not in what I do for others, but how I genuinely feel that makes me worthy and lovable and, and how I accept people and myself. I would say I would say that it it came really clear to me um, as a mother. So I wanted to be the perfect mother for my children. I did not want my children to experience any trauma because I had a childhood of trauma. Even though I had the best parents in the world, it was never by my parents. Mm-hmm. It was by the outside world. It was the trauma was the outside world. Never my, my mom and dad. So I would say that I was so protective over my children. They say that an underprotected daughter is an overprotective mother. And I was an overprotective mother. Mm-hmm. And after doing um, a multitude of these ex- plant medicine experiences, I, I let my children walk about this world as an individual not, mm. not as an appendage of me, not <laughs> oh as in an identity of who I am. Like yeah. I have a daughter who's gifted at, at singing. And before I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So she got that from my mom and da 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 <laughs> I'm like, no, that's her. That has nothing to do with who I am. Her failures, yeah. her successes, nothing to do with me. I just, I saw myself in a plant medicine journey. I saw what being a mother actually is. And I saw myself all mothers as a gardener and like, we're the soil. Like a Mm -hmm. mother is soil. And as long as we are good, nutrient dense, rich soil, then our kids are little seeds. We can plant them. And my only job as a mother now is to expose them to light, expose them to positive, like my soul, right? Like Mm -hmm. what I think, feel, and believe. I don't care if they believe what I believe. I just Mm -hmm. expose them to light. I water Mm -hmm. them. I nurture them. And then I get the fuck out of their way. I give them space to grow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'd be this mother if I hadn't had those experiences. Like I trust who they are. I trust yeah. my husband. I trust my kids. I trust myself. We're all so different. And, mm-hmm. and I like it that way. And I think before that would have scared me. I mean, it did scare yeah. me. Like I, I was afraid of life, afraid of trauma that my kids would have to, to possibly go through. And now I'm like, okay, they're meant for this. Whatever happens to them is, is meant for them. So it's this weird unshakable faith thing that I deal with. It it makes motherhood real
0: easy. I'll tell you that. So Chandler and I are definitely no strangers to a certain amount of like health anxiety and just anxiety over negative things happening essentially Mm -hmm. to us or people in our lives. And so it sounds like it was a profound release of outcomes and a understanding that whatever they were going to experience was something – you know, they needed to experience and trusting a little bit. Although I'm sure there's a balance, right? Because on some level you still, and maybe I'm wrong here. Um, and this is totally going off the deep end, but I, I saw this Instagram story about this girl who, um, her, her child, her like 13 year old got, you know, was like, uh, experienced through some game, like a predator, And so how – okay, so this is like a parenting question, which is so not pop-apologist. But, like, how do you strike the balance between being aware and, like, protecting your kids from those outside sources as much as you can, but then also allowing them to be, like, free agents and autonomous?
1: This is the most morbid thing that I'm going to say. I'm going to say it, like, trigger warning. But, like, I have said this to my children. Like, we give them enough rope to hang themselves. They are free until they do Mm -hmm. something – that we yank back on that chain. So we say that we step in when health and safety is involved. And other Mm. than that, they are free, autonomous human beings trying to learn how to be an adult. Yeah. So health, safety, and even schooling, like they have to show up to school, but like I'm not barking down my kids back to do their homework. If they want to live that life of being behind, not doing their homework, experience what it feels like to be a person who's not on their their on their own ball of their education, mm-hmm. let them feel that. It's not yeah. going to feel good. But me barking down their back and shaming them about it feels worse than being the kid who didn't do their homework.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I really, I let them go until it comes to safety or health. Mm-hmm. And so far, I mean, I've had a few moments where I like yanked back, like mama bear is intense. Like kids are assholes. Kids will be assholes <laughs> to your kids. And, right and like the fiery rage i let it out when and if that happens but i don't really meddle like unless mm-hmm. it's brought to my doorstep i'll get involved but i don't i don't meddle like right now school's starting and all the kids are like i want to change my teacher i have this stupid teacher all these moms are running around with like chickens with their head cut off meddling in their kids lives like crying in the school office like let my teach my kid has to be with their friend and i'm like what the fuck are you all doing they're in 5th mm-hmm. grade like what the f- <laughs> they got that teacher Chill out. Yeah. Like leave it alone. Right. So right. it's kind of hands off strategy. It's such an- I guess.
0: It's such an interesting and I definitely did not expect us to get into this territory, but it is such an interesting approach because I do think that like just knowing, I mean, growing up with five siblings were all so different and none of us got good grades or didn't get good grades because of either parental neglect or parental encouragement. It was all because we were either, you know, inclined towards being studious and responsible mm-hmm. or not. And it was just literally mm-hmm. genetic it was not there was mm-hmm, right. that was it um and so i do think it's yeah i think that it what a profound am- amount of release that would be as a parent Free, to not feel to like you have least. to micromanage yeah mm. oh, it's just fun oh, yeah okay well, let's go back though okay so you have your first ayahuasca experience and then and then you're basically on this path like you're unleashed on it um Tell me about, oh, well, I think that one, I want to get to other medicines, but I would love for you to explain in a nutshell, this is really hard, but, um, cause I was going to do ayahuasca like a couple weeks ago, but then the trip mm-hmm. got canceled, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I, it just wasn't a possibility anymore. Um, but, um, what is that experience? Like if someone wants to do it and they're just so curious what that experience is like, is there any way to describe it in a nutshell for people?
2: Oh, man. It I is. I feel like people always think you're going to throw up or something. Like, that's what I associate with ayahuasca.
1: Yeah. Or like shitting yourself, like diarrhea. <laughs> so, uh, yes to all that. And it didn't happen for me the first four times I did it. Like, mm. I, I will tell you, I am the woman. Like, I throw up all the time. Like, I drink two beers. I throw up. Like, I'm a throwy-uppy mm. person. So, the first – you can expect going into ayahuasca um, – God what can't you expect so you just you just drink this stuff it tastes like fermented prune juice mixed with like tobacco it is the grossest tasting thing you'll you'll ever taste in your life and then you sit around for 45 minutes waiting for it to kick in with the anxiety doesn't uh do it justice it is terror. It is fear, like nothing I've ever experienced. And every time I've done it, it is the same. It doesn't get easier for me. Mm. And then once it comes on, um, it hits everyone different. For me, I always go spacey. I go to the galaxies and beyond. I, I've i gotten celestial surgeries. I fill entities that are kind. L- mm-hmm. Let that be said. Just They feel kind. I've had light enter my body, um, correcting things, healing my hormones, healing my digestive tract, and you're made aware of what is going on. And then it's almost like this introduction where the ayahuasca is mixing, co-mingling with your DNA, and it's a very funky, psychedelic experience. And then when you get to the meat of the experience, which is hours long, hours, you are dealing with the most intense internal, um, trauma, pain, emotions, struggles, lies.
2: They,
1: I, I want to say it's 25 years of therapy in one night and you process it all somatically. So instead of just cerebrally, like it is, it's a full body experience where you are healing mind, body, and soul at once. And, Mm. Everything is made so crystal clear. And also you could be um, purging like fear. Like one of my nights was actual hell. What I fear the most, darkness, right? Like Mormon girls, like we fear fear the devil. We fear darkness. So one of my nights to get through it, it's kind of like you got to face what you're resisting the most. So I experienced hell actual Mm -hmm. demon dark shit I was so confused because I was like I'm doing this to heal this just traumatized me more (laughs) shamans are so lovely they're so lovely and it's a purge so what you're talking about the throwing up and the possibly having diarrhea all over yourself which that it sounds so terrible it doesn't really happen all that often the throwing up yes almost guaranteed to throw up but um it's another form of a purge. So if you're feeling more scared than you've ever felt in your life, that fear is purging out of you. If you are feeling more pain than you've ever felt in your life, that is pain purging out of you that's ready to be released. If you're mm-hmm. crying, sobbing, just heaving, that is all stuff that is ready to leave you. So they never... The shamans are so lovely and they... they, Because it sounds like you can... cacophony of a loony bin, the noises in that room of multiple people doing ayahuasca is enough to make anyone go crazy. (laughs) It's horrific. And I, it's overwhelming for a sensitive person like me, it's overwhelming, but I went to them. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with the suffering people. I'm suffering. I'm taking on their suffering. It sounds awful. I want to comfort people. And they said, why would you ever want to get in the way of their healing? Mm. Like the saddest, sickest, most horrible emotions that you're experiencing in ayahuasca are exactly the thing that's gonna heal you from those things. You cannot yeah. interrupt them. You cannot comfort. It's actually disrespectful to to get in the wow. way of someone's pain. Yeah. So you can expect all that and maybe some <laughs> joy, maybe some yeah. elation. Um, there was one night where after ayahuasca, I had gotten to this point where I met every single personality I have and my soul, and it was over. And this sounds like the most kumbaya bullshit thing. I'm telling you, it's real. They started playing like um, on a guitar. We all gathered around a campfire. People were singing like "Blackbird" by the Beatles. It was like Bob Marley. And I remember being like, "Oh, i This is the most present I've ever been, and I am happy." Like mm-hmm. not in the medicine, but after the fact, I was like, wait, this is what it feels like to be an actual present person walking around. Yeah. The earth. I had never experienced it till I was 29. Yeah. I didn't know what it felt like to be present. And it took me doing the craziest shit ever to get there. Maybe I'm unique that way. Maybe other people can find presence and, and actual like availability to their emotions mm-hmm. in everyday life. But I'm a person who needs a little kick in the pants to get there. And I yeah. was it.
0: Um, for people who don't know the science behind ayahuasca, and I only know it on a very, you know, shallow level, but it's, it's, so it's DMT, but then it's combined with another plant that doesn't allow DMT to be released. So generally when you do DMT, it's, a 15 minute ish experience whereas yeah. ayahuasca i think if i'm correct is DMT but it's combined with another plant that keeps the DMT mm-hmm. in your system for around 4 hours and what DMT is is it's um the molecule or the chemical that's released in your brain at the time of birth and death and so mm-hmm. what you're really experiencing potentially is like a i don't know if you would call it a near death experience but some type, some type of connection with entering pure consciousness. And maybe mm-hmm. that might be bullshit, but it's what it kind of, to me, in the most rational scientific mode, makes sense to me. Does that sound correct to you? You enter pure consciousness. I would say that you're exactly right. So it's, it's the
1: vine of one tree. It's the ayahuasca vine, the copy plant, capi, mm-hmm. and then the chacruna leaves, and it's boiled down. And those two plants together create um, – so we have enzymes in our stomach that don't allow the DMT, like you were saying, to, to be effective, but those two plants together bypass our stomach's enzymes, which is just really, when you think about how this, how people figured this out, because it's been around for yeah. thousands of years, Right? it's right. just an anomaly how it, how it works. But you are in that experience for probably up to seven hours, I would say. And you, I would say it's pure energy, conscious energy. And unexplainable until you experience. You you just can't explain it.
0: Okay, so I am very... Before any of my journeys that I've been on, um, I was very much like nothing. None of this stuff would have resonated. I would have not necessarily this stuff, but the idea of like a near death experience, the idea of energies, like all of that sounded like total bullshit to me, you know, (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. a kooky nonsense. Um, And then after I've had certain experiences, it's connected me, I think, to a source of. Of understanding how much is beyond my everyday perceptions, and mm. and now I'm I'm very interested in near death experiences and yeah, energy same. and things like that. And I'm curious with you, um, like what you can tell us about that that kind of I don't know part of it. Um, and it's a vague question, but I'm I think that you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, a little bit. Hopefully, <laughs> it's
1: like, do, are you saying like, do I believe it more now? <laughs> Like, like, do I believe in, like, 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 an I've... afterlife more?
0: Maybe you put it on Instagram stories, but something about, like, oh, gosh. something. Okay, like, uh, for example, I never would have believed in mediumship before mm-hmm. the, my experiences. And now I do believe that certain people are tuned in to another totally. dimension, right, mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that people asleep are not and who have not had these experiences are not. And even people who have had maybe, you know, are not. So I'm curious if you – I think you said that you feel like you kind of are tuned in a little bit more than other people. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, like what you can – I would love if you could share about that, about what that's like and how that came into being for you.
1: So I would, I would say that I believed – a lot like you, like I believe in, like that I have um, bones and blood, and what I can see in an X-ray and an MRI and, and a scan. Like I remember hearing about the chakra system, and I'm like, okay, whatever, that's some esoteric Eastern yeah. medicine stuff. Uh, I'll tell you now that I believe it just as much as I believe in my bones. Really? I have felt them in my body. When people, so I'm doing season two of my show. And I felt like season one was like slowly introducing people into these concepts because you sound like a goddamn idiot. Like, (laughs) how can we prove this stuff? There's no science. We're going off of stories that sound like a lucid dream and people sound crazy. Mm -hmm. And and I thought everyone was crazy too, but I experienced it. And then once you experience it, I don't need the scientific data. I don't need the scientific proof. I know what I've felt. It's a believed experience. And I also, people are like, well, is it just a psychedelic trip? I think that, Chan, you were saying, like, is it like a trip, like a high? Um, It doesn't feel like a trip or a high. It feels as if a veil is placed over all of us. And Mm. for whatever reason, you do these ancient plant medicine practices and you get a peek through the veil and see what is what we're really doing here. What are possibilities? We are uh, beings of infinite possibilities. So mediumship. Yes, that is real. Um, people who have psychic gifts. Yes, that is real. People who do energy work with their hands. So I felt in my body, all my chakra systems align perfectly. And then I felt my hands turn into swirly vortexes of like cute little tornadoes. And I was being instructed of, you have healing hands. You have healing hands. You you can put your wow. hands on people and just the energy that I emote can move stuck energy in other people. I would have called this bullshit 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. It's as true to me as my teeth. It's as true yeah. to me as my sense of smell. It is absolute, it's real, as real mm-hmm. as anything else in this life is real. And until you experience it, You just don't know for sure. You're living in the land of maybe coulds, shoulds. Mm -hmm. But once it happens to you, those coulds and those shoulds and possibilities turn into absolute profound facts. It's Mm -hmm. a yes. There's no question in my body. And I think my work now is I know it for myself and I'm really confident in myself. I get really insecure talking about this with people because I can feel other people's distrust. I can feel other people's... um, they think I'm weird, you know, and that's okay. I don't care to be liked by everybody. But when you're constantly not believed for what you absolutely know is true, yeah, then it can make me protective of it. Like I don't care mm-hmm. to share it with people who don't want to hear it. Right. But if you want to go, like you guys wanna hear about it, I'll, yeah. I'll give it to you straight. But it is very much real. I believe in it all. Mm-hmm. I'm um I'm weary of like like since it's become Instagram trendy. I'll tell you that I have a really, really, really strong vetting system. Like just because, actually because I know how real it is, I don't let yeah. any willy-nilly person practice on me, touch my body, mm. work with energy. I don't sit with medicine with most people. There's a reverence to this work. I mean, mm-hmm. you're opening up yourself to infinite possibilities with, in realms that we don't quite understand. And if you're with an unpracticed person, I don't feel safe doing that. Yeah. So right. I I really like have a strong vetting system and if I say anything today that I want the listeners to hear is you should walk into any of these experiences or or events with a, a very, very, very strong vetting system. Who are you working with? How long have they been working with the medicine? Is it a mm-hmm. safe container? Are they trauma informed? Do you have support and integration afterwards? Have you done therapy before? This is not for the faint of heart. This mm-hmm. work demands, um, presence and it demands accountability
0: and mm-hmm. it's not,
1: it's not for fun. So mm-hmm. that's how much I, I know this is real because it deserves that type of reverence and right resources to help support people through and through all this. Right. Right. I mean, intense. it's
2: medicine. It's, oh, it's yeah. not entertainment. It's medicine. It is.
1: It's potent medicine.
0: <laughs> um, tell me, I know that you posted about a psilocybin experience that you had that you yeah. said was on the same level of intensity as uh-huh. some of your ayahuasca experiences or all of them. Uh-huh. Um, very curious what you would say about the difference between the two. Um, okay. and yeah, I would love for you to speak to that if you don't mind.
1: So psilocybin just right off the bat is so much more gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, while it can go to the depths of ayahuasca, it absolutely can cause it's happened to me. It just has a, a more gentle tone vibration. They they call ayahuasca the grandmother and grandmothers can be warm and loving and just whip your ass into shape at the same time. So <laughs> yeah. ayahuasca is like it's a harsh, it's a, it's a loving, harsh, strict grandmother. Psilocybin is just like this beautiful um, soul expansion medicine. You can, you can work with it easily, um, seamlessly. It's not purgative. Like some people can throw up. I'm, I'm sure you, maybe you feel like a nauseous stomach, but it's not. Ayahuasca is you purge. Psilocybin, you don't. Uh, oh God, they're so different. But for me, genuinely, I, I did say that on Instagram and here's the caveat to that. So yeah. because I work with um, ayahuasca as much as I have, I'm very much ayahuasca energy. So if I even partake in cannabis ceremonies at this point, it can turn ayahuasca like this. I enter medicine land, like ayahuasca mm. medicine. Mm. It's alive in me. It's, it's mixed with my DNA. Every healer I've worked with is like, you are ayahuasca energy. So whatever medicine you do, you're going to pull that energy into you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's just me. So my husband just did ayahuasca and then he did that same psilocybin journey. And he was like, ayahuasca is not for me. Like it's oh, not for me. He felt called to it. And then he did the psilocybin. He's like, "Psilocybin's my medicine. It's more gentle yeah. on his psyche. It's, he, he's going he's gonna to use psilocybin as his modality. And that to me was like, no matter what medicine I do, it will become ayahuasca. So I might as well just do ayahuasca. Interesting. Um, it is interesting. See, this is the land of weird stuff that is like, <laughs> I don't know, it's real. Yeah. So I would say psilocybin is psychedelic in nature, not as intense of uh, visions as in ayahuasca, but like the deeply profound knowings, the um, the healing of trauma, the the clarity that you receive. And like also in your body, you can feel it shifting, aligning. You can feel trauma kind of releasing, pain releasing from your body. But I would say if you are psychedelic curious and ayahuasca is not calling to you, find a trusted practitioner who you really respect and feel safe with and use psilocybin. And you can go, you can have a heavy dose. So a hero's dose is five grams. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people need to work themselves up to five grams. I just did 5.4. So Mm it was over a hero's dose and it was deeply profound. I did not have to go to another country to do it. It was way more cost effective mm-hmm. and life altering. Even after all the medicine I've done, I, I didn't think that I would have like this profound experience with mushrooms. And yeah. it was,
0: it was crazy for me. Can you share what the, cause I'm assuming you experienced this when you did the hero's dose, what the experience of ego death is? Well, you feel like you're dying. Interesting. Could, okay.
1: <laughs> for everyone, it's different. So there's, you, you actually feel like you're dying of fear yeah. from like the depths of your belly. You feel like it's going to consume you. It can come up to your chest. I felt like I was choking. Um, it just, it feels like your identity pieces of who you are, are dying off and you are just like, no, 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 no. Like a desperation to hold on to these things because you don't know how to live and operate inside this world without being who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it can feel like an actual death, a physical sensation of, for me, it felt like vines were wrapping around my neck. Cause again, it turned into ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a vine. So I know that I'm different here. I think I need to state that. Like it goes heavy for me. Not everyone should expect this, yeah. but, um, it felt like a constriction of my old self. Um, just a guttural gut sobs, not crying. Like we're sad. It's like heaving from your soul from lives before a pain and a sorrow and a grief and mourning,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: as if someone, you know, is dying and then you get it all out, you cry it out, you heave it out, you move your body, everyone's different. Some people do throw up even with psilocybin. And the second that it's out of your body, it is like, whoo, it's like you're whoop, like an arrow is right through your chest and you are just clear as a bell and the gratitude coming back from something like an ego death is unlike any of the sweetest fruit I've ever tasted. I mean... Mm. To know that you're alive and on this earth and you made it out of whatever dark experience that was and then you get to move through life more aligned to who you truly are. It is when you were saying earlier, like you walk around like an idiot, like in that love bubble after a psychedelic experience, like that's that's actually who you are. (laughs) that's like the most totally Mm -hmm. that's really who you are and I think in this life we armor up right we armor Mm -hmm. up because no one's walking around in a love bubble all the time so we put on these Mm -hmm. false pieces of our identity like armor and we have to be tough to live in this world we have to be professional we have to be on it we have to be cool um Mm -hmm. those are all things that feed our ego and then when your ego is obliterated and you're just walking out like well I love everybody and I don't actually care about clothes and who the fuck cares about the bravo tv housewives right that's scary. It's scary. it's a really strange thing. It's Especially scary to for people when, we
0: love. Yeah.
1: It scares you. This is how you make your money. This is how like, you make That's what I was going to say. Like, gotta-
0: literally, when you've like, built amount- a career on uh, celebrity gossip.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> Lauren, literally, the amount of times you've had phone calls with me being like, I just think we need to have like more higher level conversations on our <laughs> podcast. And I'm like, okay, give it a few days. We'll <laughs> return back to daily mail content. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I
1: know. do you want to know the biggest grief that I'm living with right now? Yeah. Is that I'm an avid housewife watcher for as long as it's been around. This new season, like the Beverly Hills, are my favorite. It's my favorite. I've watched three, and I'm like, yeah. what's wrong with me? I'm terrified. I'm terrified of who, who I'm
0: becoming.
2: I can't watch the show. <laughs> no, it,
0: like, I hurts know. My it's heart. A good thing.
2: It's, it's so sad.
0: hard because I know for sure that uh, my th- that living my best life is doing like ninety is not doing ninety nine percent of what I do now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like living yeah. according to my higher self. Um, it's
1: weird. Yeah. But you know what? It's so still funny. fun. So we got to prioritize fun. So I just yeah. dip into it like treats, you know, when I'm feeling mm-hmm. real gross. I'm like, oh, I'll turn it on. It's fun. <laughs>
0: right. Right. Well, and also it's it's also not just like your interest, but it's also the way that I think that humor and sarcasm and irony mm-hmm. and being a little jaded can endear you to other people and being self-deprecating well, dude, and all Well, dude. No, 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 no.
1: Here's you. Here's you. in a Because I listen to your show. I think it's hilarious. Oh, thank you but so much. But you know what much. this is for you? I see this in both of you guys. This is your intellect. This is a part of your gifting. Like what you can pick up on, that's a part of your soul. You have this to be funny, to be quick witted is a gift. And like go thank do plant you. medicine because you will hone that in even yeah. fine. Like it's it's gonna it's you guys are quick witted. You got a smart brain, and that's that's what it takes to do something like what you're doing. And oh, I think you. those tools will just be sharpened, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be someone new. Just kind of sharpens what you're already good at. Right. And
2: I think that's very kind of you to say. I think also like what we've realized with our podcast journey, and this is I guess a little bit more of an aside from the plant medicine conversation, but like, you know, what we've learned is that people actually just like us talking to each other about whatever is going on in our lives or, Mm -hmm. you know, like whether it is plant medicine, you know, or housewives, like. That's that's our show. So. Well,
1: and do you want to know what else I think is really, like, interesting to hear as a person? Like, I'm a mom, so I, like, see two sisters doing something. You live apart. You get to connect in this way. Do you know, like, that's a dream come true of mine, watching you two. You get to connect in this way, work together. You get to be independent women making money off of something you enjoy. This is mm-hmm. badass. You keep oh, doing you. this. You don't have thank to have you. a nine-to-five. Like, this is it, man. You get to do what you love with your sister. I think it's the yeah. coolest thing Ever
0: genuinely it has to be said. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, I have to tell you, it was so funny. I was like, I don't know, should we have Wesley on? Will all of our listeners be transformed and no longer think our show, <laughs> you know, serves them? Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a really bad business decision. But I, I, I decided that uh, it was worth it. And, you know, I care about our listeners, and it's okay if they need to take a break. Um, uh, as also, long as I, I have back. to make
2: a little. Come back there. I have to make a little fangirl confession Wesley yeah. I used to like read your blog when I was like I think I was oh, in God. high school or maybe middle mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and I remember like just like nights like reading your blog anyways so I'm I'm totally fangirling that this is whole episode.
1: funny love chugs man so, yes, 15
2: years, yes love chugs
1: that was that was it back I loved it no um, you
0: guys are great I'm really appreciative that you had me on Oh, thank you. My first introduction to you was I had a dear friend in Provo, Utah and she was like, "Oh, you got to hear about the hottest couple in Provo." And she showed me your and Bronson's Instagram. I mean, Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys are extremely attractive people and Agreed. it was definitely guys- like part of the mythology, I think, of Wesley and Bronson. <laughs> yeah.
1: You guys take me back to like it was like 2011 whenever it was like couple goals. I was living totally. in my house. See, that was all feeding my ego. I was like, yep, tell me that. I love that. <laughs> now oh I'm gosh. like, ah, eh, but that was
0: a fun time to be alive, let me tell you. The early days of the internet were fun oh for me. Oh my gosh. Killing the game. Um wait, tell okay, people, I'm sure you get this question all the time, and we're gonna get it nonstop, so I know we have to get to it. And it might be one that's impossible to answer, but mm-hmm. how does someone get started with psilocybin, oh. with ayahuasca, with all this stuff? Okay. So I have, I've made up the system. This is not,
1: I don't know if this is like, it's not in a textbook, but I would say that you need to find a trusted, um, so I have found a woman that I can't share her name, unfortunately, but she does EMDR. So it's like a, a form of therapy, inner child work and energy work to prime your body for like going into these psyches, the the inner child self, the trauma self. I think it's very, very, very important to have a support system on the front end of plant medicine and on the back end of plant medicine. So Mm. really dive into what your intention is with a trusted person. And if you can't afford a trusted person, like I couldn't, I just journaled, I journaled, Mm -hmm. what do I want? What do I hope to get out of this? What do I want to let go? What do I hope to receive? And I was relentlessly devoted to this practice of meditation, meditation, Um, diving into myself and journaling. So I would say that that's necessary and find someone who, someone like me who has done this a time or two to kind of hold your hand through this process before you make the decision to actually partake in any psychedelic experience. And then on the, the back end, like I've said, it is imperative. Do not do plant medicine unless you have space and availability and a system to integrate The medicine because Mm. anyone can go have a psychedelic trip and then go to back to work on Monday to their nine to five. Nothing is integrated. You just opened up your psyche, stirred everything around and then did nothing. You can come out worse off than how you went in. This stuff needs reverence. It needs to be honored. It's actually imperative. It's like Mm. training wrong at the gym. Just don't fucking train if you're going to train wrong, like have good form. So Mm -hmm. have good form get the people on the front end, get the people on the back end. And then I would say that it's like opening up a can of worms. Don't start unless you are prepared to fully go to the bottom of that can and clear right. it out. So that's why I continue to go back. I mean, there's yeah. more for me to uncover.
0: Um, on a, on a practical level, because people also want to know, like, but, 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 how do I find these people? How do I, I find a practitioner? But is it's just something where you just have to figure it out? Because we can't give a gu- you can't give a guideline to illegal a- activities the leg- <laughs> on our podcast. Is
1: a, oh my god! It's no, it's a huge aspect. I mean, this is why I do it in other countries because I've yeah. got three kids. I mean, I right. obey the law. I might break some rules. I obey the law. Like yeah, I'm not above right. the law. So I I follow all the laws and I tell everyone that I'm talking to, you follow the law. You do not break laws. So I go to Costa Rica to do medicine, mm-hmm. ayahuasca, and then there's States. Um, I think it's Washington and uh, Denver, Colorado. You can use psilocybin there. And then mm-hmm. psilocybin is in this gray area where you can find a really trusted practitioner in most cities in America. It is underground, which is just so incredibly difficult. But if you're really intent on doing this work, then you have to put yourself out there. It's a part of yeah. your journey. Get right. yourself in groups where this is talked about. Go to breathwork classes. This is the, this mm-hmm. is how you start. Right. Go to breathwork classes. Go to your yoga studios. Get on Facebook. Find somewhere right. on Instagram. You assimilate to like-minded individuals and then you vet the shit out of them.
0: Don't, mm-hmm. don't like,
1: just cause some cute girl with tattoos and dreads is talking about this stuff on Instagram. You don't go with her. You get right. in her presence. How do you feel? Do you feel safe? Has she done mm-hmm. this on multiple people? Did she just take mushrooms one day and then say, I'm going to start administering mushrooms. Right. Don't do that.
0: Right. It has
1: to be a reverence. Um, I cannot state that enough. And always, always, always work with practitioners who are trauma informed. You are diving mm-hmm. into your trauma, whether you believe you have trauma or not, it's there. Mm-hmm. And you need to be held and supported by people who deeply, deeply understand yeah. trauma responses.
0: Okay, that's that's amazing advice. Um, and I think that that's all the tools people need really to be able mm-hmm. to figure it out. So thank you so much. Um, one final question before you we let you go. I would love to know what... Chandler and I, and this is a kind of a non sequitur, but Chandler and I have a very fraught relationship with social media where it's a Same. part of our job and mm-hmm. and we do love it on some level because it is fun and addicting and it's fun to chat with people. But it's also, I think, extremely bad for our souls and our mm-hmm. think, like, yeah, go ahead, Chan. I'll just say, like, I think in, in working with this,
2: with my therapist, I think it just is the... Like I just get sent to my darkest places mm-hmm. like so easily. Way easier than like, I, you know, like I feel like I'm. it's almost easier for me to get sent to a dark place with that than with in-person interactions. Like I'm not being offended constantly by people or friends, but like somehow Instagram always finds a way to like offend my soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's yes. the underbelly
1: of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucking hate it. And okay. I will just <laughs> tell you that I don't mess with it. Genuinely. Mm. I don't go there. I'm not consistent. I don't play the games that they tell you you have mm. to play. I, I'm not, I, Mm -hmm. I know that what I, I could be doing this on a much larger scale and it would call for me to interact on social media much more. And I'm telling you that my, my personal, my private life is so much more important to me than this digital little scrapbook life. And it's infuriating to the professionals I work with. Like I'm not utilizing this really impactful, powerful tool because that's what Instagram is. Yeah. But I don't give a shit. I don't answer DMs. I i mean, its I probably answered 3% of DMs that I get. Um, I don't even look at my emails. I mm-hmm. don't do any of it because I know it's not in my highest alignment. And I no longer feel badly about any of that. I, call me unprofessional and I, I'll wear that like a badge. I don't yeah. fuck with this stuff. I think it is, it's, for me personally, it's so unhealthy to have a constant feedback loop of how you're perceived by people mm-hmm. who actually don't know you. It's yeah. damaging to, to my inner child. It's damaging to who I want to be as a woman, to my family and even, and genuinely people are really nice to me too online. And I think that is damaging as well. The, the mm-hmm. comments are just as damaging as the jabs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, it inflates my sense of ego in this way that it goes both ways. Yeah. So I think that I've cultivated a community Because I've talked about this enough where like, hey, this isn't a necessary part of my job. I have to push my shows through you when and if I'm starting again. I'm starting on September 14th. So I have to on Wednesdays, I'm probably going to post stories and I'm probably not going to answer your DMs. And I love myself enough and I honor you enough to be really upfront about that. Like Mm -hmm. I can love the shit out of you and I'm not going to talk to you through my phone.
0: Yeah. But if you see me at
1: Smith's or the grocery store, come give me a hug. I love that.
0: Totally. But like I just
1: it's not where I spend my time and I don't think I ever will.
0: Well, and I think that one of the biggest testaments to your good intentions and your um yeah, to the fact that you are not in this game of sharing for commercial success is you literally had a podcast explode in popularity. I mean, get to a level of popularity that it is not we we've what we've, uh, well, we've got to at all and i feel like you got there so fast and then you were mm-hmm. like whoa 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 not happening like i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not like you didn't <laughs> that didn't feed you and become this thing of like yes i want to be the next joe rogan or something like that you literally oh, yeah. like let go of a golden mm-hmm. opportunity on some level because mm-hmm. it didn't wasn't serving your highest self
1: I told, I told Lauren earlier, it was the biggest fuck you of my life to the whole industry, to everyone, yeah. to, to the suits. So yeah, I was trending under Joe Rogan the week that I stopped and I gave everyone wow. around me 36 hours notice and I was like, not another second will I do this with it feeling this way it became Mm -hmm. I know you guys feel this it can become too live you just have to you have to have a show you're saying shit you don't like it's embarrassing at moments Mm -hmm. you Um, have to
2: prostrate yourself to some degree and some days you're just like fuck that I don't have anything new to say and I don't want to like embarrass myself anymore Mm -hmm. you know yeah anyways. in it my
1: was, darkest place. I know. No, you guys, people don't understand. This needs to be stated. You become a performing dancing thing uh, yeah. as a podcast mm-hmm. host. And that can feel demoralizing and dehumanizing. And I am now a woman who will honor myself over that thing. And yeah. that's okay. So I promise my listeners, I will leave anytime I feel and it, and that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Right. But right. I
0: also want to show up when I want to show up. Well, I'm extremely excited, and I know we all are extremely excited for Wesley 2.0, even though she does sound a little – I mean, she's going to be a different flavor is what I'm seeing (laughs) that you posted about. So I'm super excited. Yes, spicy. I'm not necessarily Mm. at all the people pleaser, Um, and I'm super excited for season two. So thank you so much for coming on, everyone. You have to check out Wake Up With Wesley – but you still have to listen to this podcast if you do. Um.
2: <laughs> Highbrow, lowbrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on, Wesley. Truly, it means the world to us. Thank
1: you. Love you both. Thank you so much. That Aww. was fun, you
0: guys.
2: So Love you. Good. So good. So good. I, this was healing. I'm not going to lie. I really? feel like I did some plant medicine. Yes. Yay. Yeah. I mean, just even inspiring, I mean, healing, all those things. Oh, thanks, guys.
0: That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, And we will see you next week, live every Wednesday.